Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Be Bullish podcast. I'm Alex Ely, CIO of the U.S. Growth Equity Group, here at Macquarie to talk about the news that matters and the news that doesn't, and what's really going on to the market with the markets today. Okay, let's get right at it. Um, the number one issue or narrative with the markets today has been the reopening, how it's going, how it's coming about, whether it's going smoothly. And the biggest thing to really hit the reopening has been the Delta variant. The increase in COVID cases has created a lot of anxiety uh, really around the globe, but definitely here in the United States, as we're getting mask mandates again, we're getting um, you know worries, you know, an increase in vaccinations again. Uh, in essence, um, the reopening or the visibility on the reopening has been clouded by some degree um, by this new variant that's more aggressive and infecting people more easily. This has affected the, the equity markets as well. Many industries are counting on there being a reopening, and they can be value and growth industries. They can be companies like airlines and cruise lines and, and casinos and things like that, of course, um, which of course use a lot of energy and and so forth. So that impacts a lot of different markets. But it also impacts things like medical procedures, uh, retail shopping, uh, fast casual restaurants. So there's growth companies that are dramatically affected by this as well. This sort of issue or worry about the reopening started to spread back in June. And I really think that it peaked over the last week or so. And that's because we continue to see a ramp in cases until just now. It looks like we're seeing peaks in cases in Florida, in most of the South, Missouri, Alabama. And while the peak in cases doesn't mean the end of anything, there's still gonna be problems with hospitalizations and ICU beds and so forth. Uh, from what we've seen in the past, we get these peak in cases and then things begin to fall off. And as they do, uh, we start to see hospital cat, uh, capacity improve. We start to see the availability of ICU beds improve again, and people start to get more comfortable with the idea that the, that the economy is going to reopen. So um, with this possible peak, that's good news. And you combine that with the extremely important news that the FDA has fully approved um, Pfizer's vaccine. This is the first vaccine to actually be approved. The previous vaccines only had uh, emergency approval. This is actual approval from the FDA. So that shows continued confidence in what the vaccines can do and how safe they are. And, and it changes thing, things. What that means is those companies can now go out and advertise those vaccines. So that has a, a mental impact, of course. It also increases the possibility for mandates, whether it be a, a company or uh, an education system or, or a government that, that wants to put mask mandates out there. The possibility of mask mandates now that we have full FDA approval has increased significantly. Look, for example, at hospitals. I would imagine that almost every hospital in the country will now mandate that people get vaccinations in order to work there. So. Um, vaccinations, which have already been increasing due to the fact that the variant has been, been increasing, uh, should get a further lift as well as we get into this. And that should help things. As I've mentioned before, um, over 99% over of the cases um, that, that are, excuse me, over 99% over of the cases that are involved in hospitalizations and in deaths are coming from unvaccinated people. So the fact that more and more people get vaccinated makes this a less deadly disease. It makes it so that hospital capacity can stay open, and it furthers our way to getting to the end of the pandemic. 
and the reopening can really begin. So that's pretty exciting stuff. Uh, the, the fact that we've gone through those issues and now hopefully we've seen a peak in concerns. I'm not sure that'll be the case. Typically, I'm pretty optimistic as to where things are going, but I'm certainly hopeful. Uh, historically, pandemics haven't lasted forever. Historically, we've seen viruses morph into more aggressive versions and then peter out. And that's where we, I hope we are today into a world where stocks can start to act better uh, and more constructive as we go into year end. So how do I approach things and, and how have I seen things go through this year? As you may know, we, we focus on disruptions. Um, disruptions are induced by either technology or innovation where a better, cheaper, faster way of doing things occurs. We focus on these disruptions because over time or over history, that's how the most wealth has been created within the US economy is through these kinds of disruptions over time. And that's really what we're looking for. Now, these disruptions have worked for decades and they worked very well last year in terms of equity investments because last year, many of the digitalization trends or disruptions that are technologically oriented were accelerated by the pandemic. You use e-commerce instead of shopping. You use mobile financial services instead of going to the bank. You use virtual healthcare instead of going to the doctor. These things took off dramatically last year in a world where growth was very scarce. At the end of last year, we had our first vaccine approved or had an emergency approval for it. And people started to get excited about the reopening. And many other value names were able to, to take off. In essence, we saw a massive value shift that ended up in the greatest shift from growth to value that we've seen in decades. That's dramatic. And, and you know, I, I don't begrudge it at all. I've got friends that run value funds. I think it's great for the market to broaden out. Uh, many banks and, and financial services companies are considered value companies. They've done quite well. And we don't begrudge it at all. We, in fact, think it's a sign of a stronger bull market going forward and a stronger economy when banks and financial services companies are doing well. But as a growth manager and, and just for growth in general, we saw significant underperformance on a growth versus value basis. Um, this is unique. It hasn't happened uh, in, in sincerity in, in about 10 years. It happened for a little bit when Trump was elected, but then reverted quickly back to growth. We feel over the long run, growth is where you want to be. But regardless, value outperformed for the first half of the year. That's changed over the last few months. Many of these value-oriented names are levered to a reopening. And we did see them pull back right along with growth names on the prospects of growth weakening. What did do well during this period of time were FANG stocks, really large cap stocks uh, that are in the market um, that really dominate all of our, our major indices. And they did well, and I, I think they did well on a relative basis because in a sense, there was a flight to quality. And, and while people were scared, they felt better being in these large cap names. Now that, the, that, that cases have peaked for Delta, that we have a vaccine that's been fully approved, that visibility and a reopening will start to improve again. I think we will see more money come back to smaller and mid-cap names, particularly smaller and mid-cap growth companies, which have been beaten down now for the, for the last nine months on a relative basis. So we continue to believe in the creative destruction process. I, I, I would point to the fact that if you look at the largest names in the S&P uh, and the largest market cap companies in our country, they were all leaders of major disruptions. 
companies like Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, of course, the technological ones, but also companies like Visa or MasterCard or Disney or Home Depot or Walmart, other kinds of companies in all kinds of industries that were able to take advantage of major disruptions within their industries over time. Decades and decades, this has gone on, and, and this has been a way to create wealth. So this is what we concentrate on. We don't try and get caught up in rotations. We don't try and get caught up in, in every correction. We stay disciplined to our process. We, we stay disciplined in terms of looking towards the long term and, and where things are going, as opposed to getting caught up with the news of the day. And that's really what disruptions are able to do. If you're invested in a strong disruption, typically they're not upended by external macro events. I'll give you a quick example I've given it many times. Uh, my mom still goes to a bank, cashes checks. Maybe she'll get a money order. My son just takes pictures of checks and Venmo's money to all of his friends. Now he does that because it's a better, cheaper, faster way of doing things. Now, not to make light of these things, but it doesn't matter whether we go into a pandemic or we come out of a pandemic or who gets elected. My son's not going back to the bank. He's found a better way. And right there, those are two huge disruptions. All of our retail banking, 85,000 bank branches in the United States right now, get ready for half of them to close because nobody young goes into a bank anymore ever. I know that's an ultimate statement. Almost no young people use banks the way that they used to. And then digital currency. We've been carrying coins and paper in our pockets for literally thousands of years. We're the last generation to it as we switch on to more digital payment platforms and those areas grow significantly. And that's what we're really after. That's what we're looking for in order to try and create wealth, is find huge disruptions or industries undergoing foundational change uh, to better ways of doing things, where there's efficiencies and productivity gains that will be migrated to in a secular way. Find the leaders of those, of those changes, of those disruptions, and buy and hold them for the long run to allow those fundamentals to play out. And ignore the critics, ignore the short-term uh, uh, viewpoints and what's gonna happen uh, tomorrow or next week or next month or next quarter and focus on where the world is headed over the long run. Okay, so where does this leave us overall? Again, we look to look, look, to look at the markets um, really from a 30,000 foot view. We consider ourselves just a little over a year into a new bull market, a little over a year into a new economic cycle. Now, the past few economic cycles and few bull markets have lasted eight to nine years on average, eight to nine years. And so uh, while we're not sure that it will last that long, being only a year in, that gives us a lot of optimism going down the line. We're bullish. We're not cautiously optimistic. We think that we're in a great spot. And not only that, um, we, we've seen a big rotation out of growth, really one that's been historic. We've seen concerns over the reopening, which I think will begin to dissipate now that we have a, a, a full vaccine approval and we've started to see uh, peaks in some of the cases. And so the setup looks quite positive for us as we go into, near, into year end. There is the one more caveat that people talk about a lot in respect to the Fed. I wouldn't be worried about it. Really, if you look at where the Fed is right now, all they've talked about is tapering to some degree by year end uh, on the unlimited quantitative support that they give. And of course, they should be tapering it because the economy is strong enough as is. 
Do you think that they should be doing mortgage buying in the open markets? No, those markets are plenty strong enough on their own. They don't need the Fed support anymore in my mind. And so we're not worried about tapering. And then finally, inflation. This is one that often comes up. Uh, in our minds, bonds don't lie. And the 10 years is yielding at 1.2%. That's not indicative of strong inflation. Sure, you can have people that point to the fact that the price of gas is up 70% or, or um, low-end labor isn't costing more and more, which, by the way, I, I don't mind at all. But many of the disruptions that we're seeing out there are deflationary, e-commerce, mobile financial services, software as a service for your business model. All of these create massively deflationary forces. So therefore, longer term, we don't think rates or inflation are something to really worry about too much. So for us, again, we can't capture every move. I can't tell you about every rotation and every correction, but longer term, we're very constructive. We're very excited. The disruptions we're seeing today and all of our content and banking and healthcare and shopping um, are, are extremely exciting because there's such huge markets. So we're quite confident going forward about things and we appreciate you taking the time to listen in. If you could uh, show it, you know, send us a question or remark at mampodcasts at macquarie.com. We'd love to, to work with you in terms of supplying the information that's needed for everybody out there to understand the markets better. And thank you for listening in. I'm Alex Ely. Have a great day. This recording is intended for financial professionals and institutional investors only. This is not intended for use with the general public. The views expressed in this podcast represent those of the speaker and are subject to change. Nothing presented should be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security or follow any investment technique or strategy and does not constitute advice, an advertisement, an invitation, a confirmation, an offer or a solicitation to engage in any investment activity or an offer of any banking or financial service. Throughout this presentation, various securities and companies are referenced. Examples given are for illustrative purposes only and were not chosen based on performance. This is not a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. All examples herein are for illustrative purposes only and there can be no assurance that any particular investment objectives will be realized or any investment strategy seeking to achieve such objective will be successful. Past performance is not a reliable indication of future performance. Before acting on any information, you should consider the appropriateness of it with regard to your particular objectives, financial situation and needs, and seek advice. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made as to the accuracy or completeness of the information, opinions, and conclusions presented. In preparing this recording, Reliance has been placed without independent verification on the accuracy and the completeness of all information available from external sources. Macquarie Asset Management is the marketing name for the Asset Management Division of Macquarie Group. Investment products and advisory services are distributed and offered by and referred through affiliates, which include Delaware Distributors LP, a registered broker-dealer and member of the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, and Macquarie Investment Management Business Trust, a Securities and Exchange Commission registered investment advisor. Investment advisory services are provided by a series of Macquarie Investment Management Business Trusts. Other than Macquarie Bank Limited, none of the entities noted in this podcast are authorized deposit-taking institutions for the purposes of the Banking Act of 1959 from the Commonwealth of Australia. The obligations of these entities do not represent deposits or other liabilities of Macquarie Bank Limited. 
Macquarie Bank Limited does not guarantee or otherwise provide assurance in respect of the obligations of these entities unless noted otherwise.